Okay, so we are back and we'll be talking about the fourth episode of The Mandalorian. And right off the bat, uh, should we call this Star Wars or, or, or is this <laughs> Seven Samurai? Oh, yeah, it's, it's Seven Samurai mixed with like the feeling of a... Um like a CBS drama, like Dr. Mm. Quinn Medicine Woman or something. Like, does it, <laughs> didn't it have that kind of, like, cheesy kind of feel to it? Well, I'm a little mixed on this one because, like, the first half is awesome. I, I love the first oh. half. And then, I don't know, maybe it's just come. I, I, I really hate nighttime fighting because <laughs> I have horrible vision. I just Game hated... of Thrones ruined you? The Game of Thrones <laughs> ruined that. Like, how, how are you going to have the Greyjoy ships battle at nighttime i'm sorry anyways somehow we always slip in game of thrones here and by we i mean me um no it's just i don't know i thought the episode was awesome i i liked it way better than uh the, the first three we've gotten but mm. uh there's something still about this show that i can't quite super be because everybody's giving it a 10 out of 10 and i just i this this last episode really yeah, I really liked it. Don't get me wrong. I would give it... No, I mean, I, I, I think it was fine. Mm. It, you know, it, it had a very different feel from the other three. Yes, it, was, it did. Um, all of a sudden, our Mandalorian is is straight-up good guy. Like, he went from anti-hero to, to um, milk toast pretty fast. Well, he is doing it for a reason. He wants a safe place for the kid. Uh, we're just calling yeah. it a kid now, apparently, and not Baby Yoda, the kid, I, which I like the kid better. But um, he just wants a safe place for the kid, and if he has to do this one video game mission, this side quest for it. <laughs> <laughs> he even got a new follower, kind of, who went her own separate way. So let's start from the beginning. Right. So we go to a, a planet that doesn't have a starport. There are planets in the Star Wars galaxy that aren't as... Um, Highly advanced, like like Coruscant, they're just yeah. kind of like backwater worlds, which reminds me a lot of Firefly. You know, like the inner inner mm -hmm. core worlds are highly like you know. I did I did like the um I liked the logistics of their village. Like I thought that was really cool how they were using quite primitive technology with with you know a little bit of advanced technology the robot. mixed in. Yeah, because when you go to other uh, countries like um, that are not that technologically advanced, you'll find that they'll have little bits of, of, of something, you know, mm. like you can, you can be places that don't have clean water, but people will have cell phones, um, which is, which is a really odd thing, you know, but, and then, and you're like, well, how do they charge their cell phones if they don't have electricity? And it's like, well, when they're in town, like in their, like their charging stores where they can charge their cell phone and then they take it back to their village without, without electricity mm -hmm. and then they have that phone for a while and you're like, oh, wow. You know, so, so it's pretty neat that they're living in these huts, but they have droids, you know? Like, you know, that's something that actually would happen. Mm -hmm. um, and so I thought that was, uh, that was interesting. Um, well, I, I do like that these people are poor, but they're still in the galaxy far, far away. So, I mean, the most average poor piece of technology they could have is like a robot that helps them um, fish for krill. The, the, yeah. That's what they do. And you were complaining to me about like the, how you had some people who are Asian and some people who are redheads. <laughs> I did think it was rather funny. I mean, like, so it's a relatively small village and then so if it, a, re a relatively small isolated population you're gonna you're gonna be kind of ethnically uh racially similar because of all the the interbreeding um but they had they had a very genetic genetically diverse uh group considering it's like a village of like 200 they're talking about how their grandparents like you know built this village and like 
they've been this for been here for a while but like you know you have these separate races like there's asians and and american indians and and uh and white people redheads you know all living in this village <laughs> leave it to preston you know, to like you know somehow saying, get genetics you in here been, but you would have been mixed up like <laughs> like like after three or four generations like uh <laughs> with with so few people so uh, the Mandalorian uh, <laughs> gets on this planet, and the planet is being uh, attacked by bandits, apparently. And the bandits have got themselves an ATST, all-terrain scout, uh, scout transport. Yeah, and yeah. Um, I love what they did with the ATST. They they modified it to you know look very tribal, and they even modified the lights inside it to have red, the red red lights, to so the eyes glow, mm. which is a nice intimidating factor there. I really like that. Um, but it also shows the state of the galaxy, which is essentially the Empire is done. It's completely gone. They're either leaving stuff behind or bandits are just getting so brazen and they're just getting so weak. They're, they're, uh, the state of them is just so weak that bandits are just stealing their stuff. But regardless, these guys have chosen to use this ATST to raid this village for whatever they have. Like, I don't, like I'm yeah. sure there are towns. It's actually, it's actually kind of similar to the plot. Like, it's kind of similar to the plot of George R. R. Martin's Thousand Worlds, where uh, Thousand Worlds there was an era of greater technology and then there was a collapse. And so people are living a little bit more primitively, but there's these relics of advanced technology sitting around that people are taking advantage of. Um, we, we always think about in our society, you know, technology moving forward, mm -hmm. but, you know, sometimes things go backwards. And there, there's a few examples, like, like after the fall of the Roman Empire, like people still kind of used the aqueducts until they collapsed and they, they didn't know how to they didn't know how to repair them or you know they'll they'll take the side of a temple they don't know how to build cut the stone or you know build that temple but they'll they'll pull the blocks out and help build a house or something mm -hmm. with it i mean they're utili utilizing an era of greater technology um you know, that's left over. Like, it's very clear that this, this big group of bandits couldn't build their own ATST. Of course. But they, they, fa they found the remnants of, of the Empire's, you know, leavings or, you know, um, yeah, so. But the Mando, he goes into this uh, uh, backwater planet and he's looking for a place to drop the kid off. And he goes into, uh, I want to say it's like a makeshift town, maybe a little like port or not even a port. It's just like a little outpost or whatever. Uh, for for trading and he goes inside the bar which i like and he sees our uh first female protagonist cara dune who was an ex-rebel commando who served wait wait carl carl weathers wasn't female <laughs> cara dune uh played by uh G gina carano i believe her name was i i i mispronounced her name last time i thought mm. i thought it was gian giancarlo esposito which is the actual villain that we will get in later on he was in the trailers oh really right okay. so uh but it's the girl from deadpool yes the 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 chick from deadpool she was the lieutenant <laughs> to the main guy to the main villain the woman from deadpool yes yes <laughs> You're like you're like like I I like messed up and said girl and then you and then you made it worse and said chick and I was like oh Jesus I love you Preston <laughs> Preston I love you <laughs> it's like the broad from the broad from Deadpool you're from Jersey <laughs> but uh and the woman from Deadpool yes. the woman from Deadpool and who's also an MMA fighter in real life she's freaking awesome um 
the Mando notices her and he finds it suspicious. He tries to find her outside and they get into a nice little fight. I actually really like this fight. She gets the jump on him and and beats him up pretty nicely, but he still manages to hold his own, which shows how much of a badass he is. I call those um wharf fights. Wharf fights. Yeah, so in Star Trek, um whenever you wanted to establish that an opponent was super strong, he would first beat up Worf. <laughs> And so, <laughs> and that's how you establish like, oh, he must be really strong because he just beat up Worf, you know. So they needed to establish her as like a strong badass. Wait, so they why is Worf part... the scale? Just because he's a Klingon? Yeah, but it's just you know he's the head of security, he's a Klingon, and you're just like, oh, like we just kind of it's just given that he's super strong and buff. Mm-hmm. And so if you want to establish that an alien is really form- formidable. He immediately, like, the first thing, he comes in, he beats up Worf. And then you're like, oh, man, you know, you be, this, they must be strong. Um, that's the, the first thing. And so it's, that's the thing. So they, she, she, they had to establish her as strong, so, they, so she had to beat up the Mandalorian, right? So that was, like, the first thing she had to do to prove herself mm-hmm. to us as characters. So she had to, she had to beat up Worf. <laughs> Well, she almost beats him up. Um, essentially, they get into a nice stalemate. Yeah, I really do. I really do like that fight scene, though. And she is ex commando from from the rebels. And I, it it was a really good fight scene. You could mm-hmm. see the hits. You knew what was going on. I think it probably had something to do with the fact that she's a real fighter. So yes, that that is because she does MMA in real life. And yeah. I, I gotta say. I don't know why. Every time I see like actual fist fighting going on in Star Wars, I'm always taken aback a little because you don't really expect actual like physical combat like that in Star Wars. You really don't. It's yeah. happened, obviously. It's happened several times, mostly with Luke, but you 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 almost don't see it go down as yeah. much. Yeah. No, you're right. Um, it you know it's mostly blasters and and lightsabers, and, uh, lightsaber fights. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, you don't really think about the. Um, like physical fight. I guess you've got Luke against the the, the trash compactor monster. Um, <laughs> and you also have him against the Rancor. Right. And you, huh, I can't... Wow. Chewbac- Chewbacca throws some people. That's but right. But it's like one hit. It's like, you know, one hit and they're done. Obi-Wan fights Jango, and then Obi-Wan kind of tries to fight Grievous. But it's, it, wow, it's really yeah. sparing. Wow. Hmm. Yeah. Now that yeah, you think it's, about it's it. Not, not something that happens very much. That one time in Force Awakens where Rey beats up those guys trying to rob her. Mm, huh. Mm. Wow. Doesn't happen that often. But yeah, and plus with the you know the roughness, like like where you're actually seeing the hits. It, it was it was a really good it was a really good fight. Um, all things considered. Mm-hmm. You know. And eventually, uh, you know, we we find out the state of the galaxy, and and she's just going off to do her own thing, kind of retiring, just just doing whatever because. The state of the galaxy is essentially that the Empire, this is several years after the, the Battle of Jakku where the Empire is finally defeated. There are stragglers like warlords and mercenaries out yeah. there. She used Endor as the date. Mm-hmm. She said after Endor, which was, which was you know. Because that's when, the, that's when the, final, the final blow was Jakku, but the Empire was really defeated at Endor. That's when like they really got on their knees and yeah, the yeah. final like killing shot was Jakku. And um, yeah, I read I read the piece of Jakku. It's, mm-hmm. it's okay. I, re- I read that. That was one of the expanded universe books I read. Oh, the uh, aftermath. Yeah. Uh, or Lost Stars. Uh, no, it was piece. Uh, isn't that isn't that the name of it? I see. If I'm 
um, messing it up. Because this might be, this is new material. This is not like expanding universe from like decades ago. Battle, wasn't there one of the first expanded universe books after the Zon trilogy? Oh, no, no, no. Thought was no, called... no, Preston, Preston. When Disney bu buys out Star Wars, they made the old canon obsolete. So everything you've I'm... ever read is, is, is not relevant anymore. I know, I know. Now, 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 it's I, that book is probably called "The Piece It Somewhere Else." Mm -hmm. But uh, like the, the the stuff that happens right after Endor is Star Wars Aftermath, and then Star Wars Aftermath, we find out that Mon Mothma, um, she's like the head of the New Republic at this point. She, re I think, she reduces the Star War the uh, Alliance military down by forty percent or to forty percent. Like she, she drastically like demilitarizes a lot of pe a lot of like the Alliance military. And I'm mm. assuming, you know, Kara doesn't have a job because of that. Um, I forgot what she said oh, as to why... It was called the Truce at Bakura. Truce at Bakura, right. I, what was I thinking? Where, where the Empire and the Alliance, they kind of like, uh, for like kind of have a somewhat of a, uh, a partnership to go up against like these Velociraptor-looking aliens. <laughs> yeah. I, I remember, so. yeah. <laughs> but no, this is, this is a completely new thing that happens after Jakku where the Empire is utterly de destroyed and decimated any surviving imperials go into uh, unknown space to form the first order any imperials left behind are just kind of losers and just guys who didn't make the cut to go into unknown unknown regions so she spent a good chunk of that time after endor just hunting these guys down and uh there's no need to that for do that anymore because the the treaty was signed years ago and a lot of the old imperial people are just trying to cling to power in their own sectors or they're essentially just trying to do their own thing, like uh, Warner Herzog was trying to a couple episodes ago. Yeah, yeah. So eventually we get the villagers beating up with the Mando and offering him money, and he's just really not interested. But he takes their offer anyways because he wants a safe place for the kid, and he brings Cara Dune with him. And this is where we get our Seven Samurai thing, where they go to the village, it's a peaceful life, and we find out that he can't really take off his helmet, which we kind of knew... Right, but they they they're more specific. He can take off his helmet in private, mm -hmm. so he can like take take you know a shower and eat, you know. And this is weird because I don't understand this part, this sect of the Mandalorian tribe. Because once again, we've seen Mandalorians in the Clone Wars cartoon and in the Rebels cartoon, and this whole thing is kind of fairly new. Like it's not really. This might yeah. be like a different sect of Mandalorians. And to be fair. In the Clone Wars, it is established that Mandalore as a whole is trying to give up its mm. warrior violent ways. And the Mandalorians that don't want to do that, they were exiled to like one of the moons of Mandalore. So this could be a sect of that group of guys. Yeah. Eh, it's, it's just not that, clear. that, you know, Jango Fett, he took off his helmet. So I don't know what's going mm -hmm. on. <laughs> so, I mean, he he took off his helmet at the at the cloning facility and talked to Ben Kenobi face to face. Right. So I don't I don't um, I mean you could say that maybe Boba Fett in his later years like adhered to that, but um, Jango Fett certainly didn't. So I don't know what's going on. Well, here's the thing Jango with, with Boba Fett, weird. like Boba Fett. Even though he may, I still don't know what's going on with that. I don't know if he is a Mandalorian or not. And we'll get to this in, in regards to this character. But I, I think Boba Fett wasn't a part of a tribe or a clan or anything, so he could just do whatever. Who knows? I mean, like I said, it's it's kind of it's kind of weird when your when your first example of a people is an exception of the of it. Right? You know? Yeah. And like uh, Spock. 
We know. also <laughs> learned that uh, Armando, he's not really a Mandalorian. He was just rescued by them. And he's trying to yeah. repay them any way he can. Right, but is that this. but is that how the is that how the Mandalorians work? And I mean that that's the thing is I we don't know like are the Mandalorians a group of people where people can just join them? Like are they are they an ethnicity that that lets in immigrants essentially, mm-hmm. or is there are they racially different Mandalorians? You know, so I don't know. I mean it could be. That's the thing is when you when we say something like a Corellian, right? Corellians are just human; they're just people, right? right. There's not there's not much ethnically different between a you know it's like it's like saying you know uh, a, a New Yorker versus a New Jerseyan. Like there's you can't pin down anything racially different between New Yorkers and New Jerseyans. Mm-hmm. I mean because they're it's a they're both multi ethnic places, but it's it's you know but. There's, there are cultural differences between New Jersey and New York, um, but not racial differences. Right. And so Mandalorians, they might just be human beings that accept people into their culture uh, that, that are multi-ethnic. Or maybe so he's know. another exception. Or he's another, or, or he's another exception. Mm-hmm. But, um, I mean, you know, I don't know if they're, they're their own separate racial... Like all of them have black hair or something, or all of them have, you know, attached earlobes. You know, if there's something, there's something racially different about them genetically, well, or they're just a multi, a multi-racial, multi-ethnic human society that that, that accepts people. They, they accepts might be multi-racial because in the Clone Wars cartoon, Obi Wan's girlfriend Satine, she has blonde hair, blue eyes. And mm. if if Jango Fett was a Mandalorian, I believe the actor for Jango Fett he is a Maori. I think I'm saying that yeah. right. Um, so they might just be multi cultural and multi ethnic. Um, however, you know, eventually we find out that the villagers don't really know how to fight. Of course, only the widow she knows how to shoot a blaster. So uh, Mando and Cara Dune they teach the villagers as well as former plan on how to take out the ATST. At first, she's like, I've seen a bunch. Of, of men get taken out by these things. There's no way we can. You guys got to move. If only we had two logs. <laughs> if only... <laughs> if only we had two logs. Or a very long rope. So that way when it like when it walks by, it can trip. Do you remember that? Yeah. Or didn't one fall over because they, they had a whole like roll, like log roll of them? Mm-hmm. The the one I hated the one I hated that that I thought was was stupid even as a freaking like seven year old child, even as a seven year old child I thought the two logs coming together to crush the ATST was stupid. I thought that was just so dumb. Like I was just like, isn't that made of like steel or something? <laughs> you know, like Preston. I couldn't I couldn't believe it even as a child. I thought it was. I thought it was ridiculous. Preston, don't you know the trees on Endor, I guess, are alien trees that are stronger than steel? <laughs> it's just... <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Uh, it, was, it was a really dumb... It was a really dumb scene. So they need to, they need to figure out some way to trap the ATST, and they do. Uh, not before they were trying to convince the villagers to leave. Nope, you guys got to get out of here. It's the ATST. We can't, we can't fight it. Oh, no. But, um... 
at night, they, they perform a nice little raid, Cara Dune and the Mando, on the bandits' encampment. And, um, yeah, it goes smoothly until they gotta get the hell out of there. What I don't understand is, why didn't they just locate the ATST and kill the driver and, and take control of it first? Because I'm sure, like, right. it's powered down. Just throw a bomb in it, then. Throw a bomb in it. Or, not even that, the Mandalorian, he has a ship with guns on it. Just, like, park the ship Go, yeah. near the village and then run back to the ship when the ATSD comes and swoop in and shoot it down. I mean, that's the thing, is he could fly over, drop a thermal detonator down on it, and, and you know... It's why he doesn't have a jetpack, because that would be way too easy. <laughs> <laughs> I also thought it was really funny. This is kind of random, but... So the his love interest, the the one that the widow for some reason, yeah, the one that's totally into him, even though she hasn't seen his face. I mean, <laughs> don't even. Don't, you're gonna. I mean, we all know we all know that he's he's handsome. Um, he's a handsome guy. Oh, there, I thought you were but... gonna make a joke in regards to me, because no, 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 no. Okay, no, no, go no. ahead. No, no. But the, uh, um, but we we all know that he's a handsome guy under there, but. She doesn't, you know, he could look like anything. Mm -hmm. He could, you know, he, he, but she's just, you know, she's really, she was really heavy flirting with him. Well, she is the widow. She, she's been lonely also, for a while. Also, um, yeah, it, it was, uh, the actress is the same one that plays Akechita's a, a girlfriend from, from Westworld. Dude, I don't remember anything about Akechita. I don't remember, I don't remember a lot about season two. It just wasn't that memorable for me thinking back on it now. Akechita is the American Indian I know who Akechita is. I just, I, I really hated the Akechita stuff. <laughs> like, it was cool, but I just mm, was not a big fan of it. <laughs> and then he's, he wants to be... Oh right, he's he has a girlfriend, and then he goes back and he starts remembering. But when he goes back, like she doesn't rem remember him anymore because she's been reassigned to a new. Wait, new we're talking world. about Mandalorian or Westworld? We're talking about Westworld. Oh, dude, no, it's not French. I was like confused. What? The anyway, Akechitz's girlfriend is super into a Pedro Pascal, mm -hmm. and she, uh, she's she's totally like you need to you need to be my kid's stepdad and you know she's uh and then for some reason she's incredibly good at shooting mm -hmm. so she has some sort of military background but we don't know what the hell it is right it's and it's never explored well and it never will be <laughs> they, they, they they conduct their raid and bring the uh, bandits back and the villagers are actually able to fend off the the bandits nicely the atst it takes a while for it to fall into the trap but eventually it does and once again, I... Well, it doesn't. They, they, they kind of... It slides in. Yeah. The, the earth kind of gets blown out. Mm -hmm. They kept saying, like, keep... Like, it, it realizes it's a trap, but they kept they kept saying, like, come on, step forward. And it's like, dude, the jig is up. It's not to <laughs> step forward. Well, if I, I, I will say, though, because I, as much as I hate nighttime fighting, the ATST with the red glowing eyes was a really nice touch. I really like that aesthetic. Um, yeah. But eventually, they they repel the bandits and they take out the ATST, and uh, yeah, um, all's well. You know, Mando's gonna leave the kid behind because his life apparently is no life for a kid, which I would agree. However, as he's about to leave, uh, a bounty hunter tracks the kid down and is about to kill him when Cara Dune comes in here and shoots him in the back of the head. Which, once again, this is on Disney Plus, and they keep doing like these mm. really cool like moments where it's like. Like, cause, 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 Star Wars has a habit of kind of like <sighs> pandering to children, which I really hate. Yeah. But the Mando has been kind of proving that it's it's 
more or less pandering to teenagers. Because in the last episode, he was coming in, sneaking around, and, like, there was one scene in the last episode where he lassos the stormtrooper and stabs the thing, in the, the guy in the back. Or when he yeah. when he fires up the stormtrooper and is, like, just roasts the guy in his armor with his uh, wrist uh, flamethrower. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a weird thing, right, that you can have, that Star Wars clearly has things like Jar Jar Binks, but then, you know, shows a man getting sawed in half, you know, by a lightsaber and tumbling to his death. Like, pretty, you know, pretty gruesome, violent stuff. Well, that was Lucasfilm. Um, Lucasfilm has always kind of like, even though they've pandered to children because they want to sell that merchandise, at the same time, they realize that a good chunk of their audience is grown-up people who have grown up with Star Wars. So Right, I mean... I mean, they, they make they they make just as much money with their with the merchandising than they as they do with the movie it's, with the film itself. So you know, th- it's really really important for them to market this shit to kids. Um, you know, it's and so they have to have like Baby Yoda and all the kids running over and being like you know liking Baby Yoda mm-hmm. and and all of that in there. Like that has to be there. Um, so they can market Baby Yoda to, to kids and make it a kid show. But you're right that all of a sudden it's also super violent. I wouldn't say it's super violent, but it's it's just the right amount of violent to not bore the fuck out of me. Because let's be honest, we're never going to get like, you know, a scene where someone is activating a lightsaber in front of children with the intent of killing them. We're never going to get a scene where someone is like slaughtering <clears throat> sand people um, or I'm sorry, Tuscan Raiders. I'm sorry. Uh, I don't want you to get flagged. Um, <laughs> uh, we're not going to get a scene where someone is bisected uh, after, like, you know, a lightsaber duel. I mean, you're not right that that's why, that's why they have it, the person be in a stormtrooper outfit. Mm-hmm. You know, like, or a rubber mask from some random alien. Right. Because clearly, like, you know, guys in rubber masks, they're not, they don't have feelings. And clones inside stormtrooper you know, they're, they're not human beings anymore. You know, for some reason, when you dehumanize them, all of a sudden it's for kids. I th- there's definitely a weird philosophical debate we need to have about violence and betrayal of violence. Because um, for some reason, you know, if, if you make your villain faceless, you know, oh, go ahead, go ahead and slaughter them by the, by the thousands because that doesn't matter. And that's fine for kids. Mm-hmm. But, you know, give somebody a personality... And you get to give, you know, show them the backstory a little. Nope, nope, can't do it. Well, the bounty hunter tracks down the kid there. He's his, the tracking fob is still active. And Cara Dune saves the kid. And apparently the Mando can't leave the, 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 the child here. That he has to, he has to flee with the child. Not before saying goodbye to Cara Dune and, uh, and the village itself. And yeah. So a lot of people were saying this episode was kind of pointless. Not really. The Mando is trying to have a place with the kid. It's just, I don't know, Preston, does this still feel like a video game? Kind of. It's still, I mean, it still feels like a video game. Mm. But, I mean, the, the whole the whole quest of the village thing, the Seven Samurai thing, felt very video game-ish. You think so? Um, yeah, I mean, you know. Well, well he should have, like, game. a, he should have recruited a follower by now, and he kind of does. It's almost like a villain of the week or a follower of follower mm. of the week, because in episode one, it was, you know, the, the little pig guy and IG-11. Episode two, it was just yeah. the pig guy. And episode three, it's, um... Now, but for promotional material, I've seen the woman from Deadpool in, like, the main poster. Yeah, and IG-11 so, as well. It, oh, so 
Maybe IG-11 isn't going to come. I mean, IG-11 clearly isn't coming back. I wonder if she's coming back. She might, because there have been video games before that I've been trying to get you to play, um, where a character will go, they'll encounter some cool person along the way, befriend them, but they'll go their separate ways. But for the final battle, those characters will come back. Mm -hmm. So that might happen. He's just making allies along the way. And honestly... The, the We always see four characters on the posters. The Mando, Cara Dune, IG-11, and Carl Weathers. So Carl Weathers will be okay. back in some form or another, of course, because, you know, they left him alive. We might get another IG unit, because remember, we have IG-88 and mm-hmm. IG-11. There has to be another IG unit out there. And Cara Dune, there's no way they would pay up the ads for Gina Carano and not utilize her again. She might even be back for season two. Maybe not season one, but we'll probably definitely see her in season two. Yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe they just, you know, they wait for they wait for the test audiences. Disney has their whole science. Like, did she test well? Should we have her back? <laughs> what did you think of this episode? I would give it... Um, I, I gave the last episode a 7.5. I, I really like this episode. I would give it also a 7.5. It, w- it was it was not bad. I liked it. It's weird. I liked it better than episode 3, but I can't score it higher. I don't know why. It's just, once again, it's it's still not wowing me, but I really did like it. Mm. I mean, I, I didn't like it as much as episode 3, because uh, I, I thought episode 3 had just better lore and background and, and interesting stuff going mm-hmm. on with, with the Mandalorian people. And, and we find a little bit more about the Mandalorian people, but... Um, yeah, I mean, it was entertaining. I liked, I liked the little battle. It, it, it worked for me. Um, I thought that the villagers were a little too, uh, you know, cheesy and typical. Like, we're, we're a primitive, uh, uh, innocent village. Help us, you know. I thought that was a little too, uh, um, uh, uh, I don't know, paint by numbers. But, Again, again, this is a space western, and and so you're, you're, you're getting back to the magnificent seven, I suppose, um, with that. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Well, I am getting, I am getting more used to uh, Pedro Pascal's character, the Mando. I, I, I can, I, even though you can't see his face, it's really hard to connect with him. I am kind of connecting with him slowly, especially when he's talking to the widow and he's giving his own little mm. backstory and whatnot. So I am slowly connecting with him. But I, I gotta say, the, the one thing I didn't like is that we have seen this before. In fact, I think the first time I've ever seen anything like this, where the hero comes in and trains the villagers to fight the incoming force. I think it was Evil Dead 3 Army of Darkness where Ash trains the uh, medieval citizens to beat back the Army of the Dead. But this is a, a tired trope. It is the Seven Samurai, the Magnificent Seven. Yeah. We all have seen it before. But I don't think we've ever seen it in Star Wars. So, Right, right. Yeah, I better never see this fucking concept ever again in Star Wars. Like, it's been done. It was done. Let it go. But they put a nice little twist on it. Like I said, I did like the ATST coming in and them not making it just like a normal ATST. It's a very tribal looking one with the red eyes. That was no, cool. I think that ATST did better than any of the other ATSTs. All of a sudden, it made it into <laughs> an actually formidable uh, piece of military equipment. Right. <laughs> and, and somehow did manage to kill a single villager. And I, I know some nerd is going to be like, ATSTs were at the Battle of Hoth and they did pretty well there. I'm like, yeah, yeah, okay, I know. <laughs> but at the fucking Battle of Endor, they were the most ridiculously useless things. <laughs> and that was that was that was the most trained, the best trained battalion that the Empire. The five hundred first, yeah. According, according to the Empire, and yet and yet they're defeated by twigs. 
And, oh wait, no, the five hundred first at Hoth. I don't know who the fuck was at Endor. Oh, you know, no, the Emperor I mean, says they, my best my, uh, legion of my I, best troops. Yeah. yeah, right. And you're like, really? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> like they they run up to people. They run up to people that are like, freeze. You know, like, could you imagine? Yeah. Could you imagine like you know you get like Green Berets or Navy Seals and they. And they act like that. They act like in Return of the Jedi. <laughs> oh no, they're throwing they're throwing rocks at us. <laughs> you know, it's funny too because originally it wasn't supposed to be Ewoks. Originally, from what I heard, it was supposed to be Wookies, which would make sense because mm. you're, you're building the second Death Star for some reason above Endor. But it would make more sense to build it above Kashyyyk and use the Wookies as slave labor because you know they're stronger, they have more endurance, blah 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 blah. That would make more sense, but they. Yeah, so, Endor. I mean, I don't know. I mean, we're getting off topic, but Endor is the perfect storm of of horribleness, of, of George R. Martin, I mean, George R. George Lucas's ideas <laughs> blending with, like, commercialism, right? So you have George, uh, George Lucas, like, his whole thing about the first Star Wars trilogy is that it's it's a whole retelling of Vietnam and, you know, we were the, the Americans were defeated by the Viet Cong, um, and the rebels are kind of this ragtag um, uh, group, and that's what Star Wars and eventually Return of the Jedi becomes even more specific. Like they're going to beat us with jungle traps, you know, which is what what Vietnam. Uh, I wouldn't say it was the whole uh, <laughs> war, but a lot of it war, was these these jungle traps mm-hmm. that just that just. Uh, neutralized our forces and so you know the Ewoks are doing that and it's like that idea like George George Lucas is like I'm going to take something political and put it in there and then they're like how can we make how can we market this to children okay let's make them teddy bears (laughs) (laughs) but you also can't you can also market Wookiees as well because they're like bigger teddy bears so in fact, I, I think that one thing that the Mandalorian is failing at is they're not spending enough time uh, showing us the faces of the enemies. Like right. the rubber masked enemies, even the Mando, even on that desert planet when he was rescuing Baby Yoda and when he was fighting those guys in the last episode, I don't really remember what they look like. You yeah, that, that's also true as well. Like I, I really liked um, one example of this is like in, in, in for... For Netflix's Marco Polo, like, you have the, the court of Kublai Khan, and, like, there's so many awesome characters. You see all their faces. They have, like, personalities. And then the main antagonist is Gia Sadao, and he's the only antagonist in the entire series, and it's just one bad guy. And I, I think the only bad guy we've mm. seen so far is Werner Herzog's the uh, Imperial Warlord guy. You're right. There aren't enough, yeah. like, bad guys that really, like, stand out. And, in fact, there aren't any bad guys at all besides that one warlord guy. Yeah. I mean, and when, when all those, when all those uh, bounty hunters came after Mando, <clears throat> I, some of them looked kind of interesting. But most but of them were I, generic. They only showed them for – they just showed them for a, a split second. So I didn't really get, a, a, you know, an idea of what they looked like and, and stuff. You had so. one guy that was, like, Darth Maul's race. You had another guy in, like, this really cool-looking yeah. scuba suit alien thing or – I do remember the guy that was Darth Maul's mm-hmm. race where I was like, oh, that guy's interesting. And then I saw him for one second. And I was like, oh, well. 
And everybody's just like a, a random faceless henchman. It's just, eh. It, and Star Wars is known for like its interesting villains, you know? And we're not really getting a lot of interesting villains here. And that's the one thing it's missing. We have a cool protagonist. We have interesting side characters like Cara Dune and IG-11. And even the little pig guy. I forgot. I always forget his name. Pig, played by Nick Nolte. But, um, Nick Nolte, and, pig boy, yeah. And, 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 and Carl Weathers, I guess, is, is whatever. But we're not really getting a lot of villains here. And I hope Giancarlo Esposito's character... Um, who has a bunch of death troopers with him. We saw it in the trailer. I hope his character can bring a lot of, like, you know, like, menacing... Th- like, yeah. a menacing threat to this whole thing. But it wasn't a bad episode, I, but I'm still not wowed. Like, I really feel as though Disney should release the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. Now, one thing I know they're doing is... Um... There's going to be Yoda, Baby Yoda toys. So that's the one uh, thing. I, for Christmas. Baby Yoda really has been growing on me. For, for like the last three episodes, it was, it's just been kind of whatever. But I really love Baby Yoda this episode. Well, I think their their, their puppet work is just, it's, it's great. I mean, it, in many ways, it's it's very, very similar. Even the shape of the ear to Gizmo from Gremlins. Mm. And like his movement of ears and like everything. Mm. Um and like how they hold him and everything, and him being cute and not really speaking, like it—it it just reminds me so much of Gizmo, who was a big like gift at the time. I mean, they tried to market. Oh God, there's another big mistake, <laughs> Gremlins, which is like this horror movie that they tried to mar- market to kids and have all these toys. When did Gremlins so come out? Work. The nineties, right, or the late eighties? I want to say eighty. Eighty-four is going to be my guess. Um, well, well, there's uh, your answer right there because the '80s had some fucking gnarly kids' films, like oh like some ki- the, I mean, some movies that were marketed to kids. It's like you go yeah. back and you're like, oh my god, what? Oh god, like there's every single person. I've probably talked about this before, but every single person that's seen Gremlins talks about the the freaking weird story in the middle of it where where Phoebe Cates talks about how her dad died and it's just like the most horrific story of all time and it's just like everybody remembers it and it has nothing to do with the rest of the movie and you know she tells this like horrible story about how like her dad didn't come home for Christmas and they didn't know they don't know what happened and they said they that they thought she was a aban- he, he abandoned them and then you know a couple weeks few weeks go by and something starts smelling in the, uh, it gets really cold around New Year's. And so they, they build a fire and they, something's blocking the chimney and it smells. So they call the, uh, the, um, the chimney cleaners and they, they expect to have like a dead raccoon pulled out. And they, they pull out the, her father in a Santa outfit. Jesus Christ. He tried, to, he tried to go down the chimney with presents and he slipped and cr- broke his neck. And you're like, why is this story in the middle of, of of this movie, which which was marketed to children? There were giz, there were these gizmo toys and everything. It's just horrific, horrific. Huh? I'm actually gonna look this oh, clip God. up. I've never actually, I've actually never seen Gremlins. Oh, Gremlin, Gremlins is <clears throat> Gremlins is a really crazy. It's a good movie, and then Gremlins two is the weirdest movie because it's 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 a meta movie before movies were really meta. Mm-hmm. Like it's sort of the creator was like, I am going to completely, t- like, just recognize the fact that this sequel is a big money grab, and make a whole bunch of jokes about how it's a big money grab, and the whole movie is just jokes about that, and it's it's really weird, hilarious movie, but 
it's a completely different genre as well. Um, but gre yeah, Gremlins is weird and crazy. Great puppet work, incredible puppet work, a lot of memorable scenes. Gremlins 2, also crazy, great movie, but in a completely different way. Such a weird. I, I love your I love your breakaway rant about Gremlins. <laughs> oh my god! But but this is but it gets it it gets into like what Star Wars kind of is, and so Gremlins kind of makes sense because back in the day there weren't that many kids movies. Disney still thought that the way to make money was to get people to the theater, and so they wouldn't they didn't market stuff on on video or anything like that. And so the only thing that was kind of on video was Star Wars and, you know, the never-ending story and the last unicorn and the dark crystal, which is why, like, people in their 40s have a special connection to these mm -hmm. movies because when they were growing up, it was the only kids' movies. Now, gr granted, like, if there was a birthday party and you wanted all the kids to shut up, you didn't have, like, an infinite library of stuff. You couldn't just pop on Netflix. You couldn't give them a tablet. You, ju you popped on Star Wars because that was the only kids' movie, which is why people in their 40s have, like, such a strong connection to it. Um, and so there were so few kids' movies out there, and they didn't really understand how profitable kids' movies were. And so they're catching on. They're like, okay, how are we going to make this a kids' movie? And you're like, a movie about little gremlins killing people? You're going to, okay, let's make it into a kids' movie somehow. They're like, okay. And so that's how gremlins happened. I mean, same thing, like Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. Like, let's put in a tiny Chinese kid cause, and make it a kids' movie but we're also going to have a scene in it where somebody dips their hand into somebody's chest and pulls out their live beating heart. Like, what? Like, this is how crazy the, the 80s were. And it all, it all was because, you know, there, there just were no kids' movies. And so they were making all sorts of movies into kids' movies. Ugh. I love you, bud. You, you could talk for hours about just anything random. I but love Star you. But <laughs> Star, Wars, Star Wars still has this element of that. It does. Like, to, to get that same vibe, because Star Wars isn't really a kid's movie, but it became the definitive kid's movie, even though there's, you know, death and destruction. I mean, there's mass genocide. Like, a planet blows up <laughs> in the middle of this kid's movie. I keep thinking, I keep thinking that Disney's era of Star Wars stuff is had it, it's not as because because like i said lucasfilms when, when they made star wars even the prequels like yeah they made it for for kids as well but they always included some elements in there that were kind of for like an older crowd as well yeah but they never included blood um and i'm keep thinking that disney doesn't do that but they kind of did i mean force awakens you have the killing of han solo uh the 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 explosion of uh the hosnian prime planets um, you have a lot of stuff like that, like like stormtroopers are utterly decimated. Um, the whole the whole in Last Jedi, as much as I dislike that film, the missile hitting the bridge of the Radis and Leia is sucked out. That's also a little <clears throat> little too risque as well. Like she's free, like she's slowly dying in, in in the darkness of space until she does that Mary Poppins thing, which is mm -hmm. awkward. But anyways, back to what you were saying. Yes, so. Disney is kind of being very, very smart here because Baby Yoda, my God, I can I can see the Christmas shelves now. Oh yeah, and it, I mean it's so funny because actually even in the title, like this is a story about war. Let's market it to kids. <laughs> like what? Okay, there's going to be large scale. <laughs> 
large-scale galactic death. Like, like this is this is fine marketing to kids that I can get behind because Baby Yoda really has grown on me, and and it's yeah. not really doing anything silly or annoying like Jar Jar. It's just sitting there being cute, which is fine. That's that's how I would like yeah. it. You know, there's 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 I mean there's no farts and and everything mm-hmm. yet, which Star Wars is unfortunately filled with a lot of farts. So many fart jokes. Unfortunately. Uh, Preston, what would you rate this? I would give it a 7.5, but I still somehow liked it better than the last episode, which I also gave a 7.5. But um, I'll, I'll rank it a little lower. I liked episode three more. I, I, I think this one was fine. Um, I, I, I thought the battle and everything and, and, and the direction, I thought the fight scene, I thought what, everything was really great. I liked the design of the village. My only criticism is that it was a, that the... That the, the the protagonists and the story of getting pulled in was a little too paint by numbers, mm. cliche. Little, you know, a little too. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna trust this stranger with protecting our village. Okay, all right. What's to stop him from coming in and just taking everything from you? Um, but uh, yeah, but otherwise, I thought it was it was fine. I'd give it something like a seven. Mm. You know. <sighs> I am still I'm st- once again the show is not bad I'm still waiting to be wowed by it I, I I'm finding it I'm still finding it insane how everybody's still giving it like a ten out of ten or a nine out of ten is just right mm. I mean when we compare it to you know other things where you finish an episode and you're like oh my god like Watchmen you know like because like Watchmen but but there's there's so many other you know shows out there where you where you watch an episode and you're just at the end. You just have to decompress because you're like, whoa, like so much happened or, oh, my God, that was heavy or, oh, God, well, like, Preston, are, can't wait for the next. Are episode. we the problem, though? Are we expecting way too much? Because you and I are loving Watchmen, but Watchmen is so nuanced and there's so much going on with Watchmen. Mm. And this is just Star Wars. It, it's not supposed to be deep or uh, like in, engaging on right. that level. Are we the problem here, do you think? I mean, yeah, you are correct. Like this is. This is for kids. <laughs> Let's, it's, it's, a, it's a movie for kids, and somehow, you know, we, we expect it to be for adults and have, and have heavy themes, and it can't be. Star Wars is, you know, it's not that Star Wars isn't political and adult in some ways, but it's, it's simple. It's not complicated. Mm-hmm. You know, there's, there's not very much nuance to Star Wars. Like, when I say that, okay, this is... This is George R. George Lucas's political message. Like, there's just one level to it. Like, it was very clear, you know. Like, when Anakin Skywalker says, "You're either with me or you're against, or you're you're my enemy." Like, we all know what that was referencing. You know, there's no double layer or nuance. He was he was making a statement about about you know American politics at the time and and comparing it, and it was it was pretty he- clear and heavy-handed. Um, yeah, we're, it is a, it is a kid's show. Maybe, maybe we're, we're, we're putting it up to an impossible standard of, of other things, Mm -hmm. you know. Guys, thank you so much for joining us on this episode of The Mandalorian. Tune in next time where we will, uh, talk about the next episode. Hopefully where more awesome things will happen. Uh, Preston, thank you for joining (laughs) me. Uh, guys, we will see you next time. Have a good one.